0: Hello, and thanks for joining for another episode of the Patient Convert podcast. I'm here with my guest host, Justin Knott, and a very special guest today that's going to talk a lot about this taboo part of the marketing world. We say, because as though we are marketing professionals, there are so many different types of marketing out there and so many different types of professionals and specialties. So I wanted to introduce you guys to Jared. Jared. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself.
1: Uh, thanks, Kelly and, and Justin. Uh, so glad to be on board on this. And I want to first uh, give a, a shout out to the two of you for the work that, that y'all do to help grow practices and, and help them understand all of the, the wizardry that goes on behind the scenes to, uh, to really help, at the end of the day, help connect them with, with patients and help people live better lives. I mean, it's, it's one thing to be able to wake up in the morning and draw that direct line between what you're doing every day and helping somebody live a higher quality of life. So so first and foremost, I, I, I wanted that to not go unsaid.
2: I appreciate that.
1: But yeah, so I'm a podcaster myself. Uh, I'm a marketing consultant and content creator is probably just the easiest way to say it. So that just is a fancy way of saying I, I like to help tell the right stories, usually in an audio or video format. I've spent uh, most of my career in at this intersection of healthcare and digital marketing. So it is definitely something you know I'm, I'm passionate about. I create content about it every day in one form or another. I love creating conversations, bringing people together, connecting our ideas, and and hopefully just making healthcare a little better.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So actually, one of the first times when we were talking, I was asking you specifically because, again, there's so many different things to do in a good marketing program and for the growth of a practice or a healthcare system. So it's always interesting talking to another healthcare marketer healthcare consultant like yourself around what it is that you do and right away we were we started joking when you said branding it's like well hey what do you mean when you say that because it's always like do you understand branding or not <laughs> and and but the other side of it is like you're like I don't do SEO like that's not what I do and I'm like I don't do branding that's not what I do so that immediately was like we've got to do a podcast about this so tell me what it is when we say branding? What is branding exactly?
1: Yeah, yeah. This conversation was fun, and it, it is funny how organically these kinds of things come up, and we're like, yeah, we should, we should record this.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we should. We should have been recording this. I think is what we said.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. How do we share this with with people? Because it, it's just the sum of what both of us have learned. You know, all, all of us as we've gone along. You know, I'm, I'm definitely one who, when I went to school, there there really wasn't a thing such as you know that we know today as digital marketing, there were elements of it. I mean, their websites were still pretty new. I mean, I just, I, I feel like I'm just coming from the dark ages here. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and so it's it has not been a straight path to say, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to do and branding's a part of it and whatnot. I do like to to think there are two elements of it here. There, there's branding and brand engagement. And branding is probably what a lot of us think of when we hear that, that term, that word. I know I did for a long time and I, and I still mostly do when somebody brings this up we're still thinking about the identity of your organization, of your company, of your practice. We're talking about what it looks like, what it sounds like, what it feels like to somebody else who doesn't know you. And so that usually takes the form, first and foremost, when when you're hanging a shingle and you're creating a a practice, a company and whatnot, one of the first things you have to do is find a logo. You, You have to have some literally a visual identity. So a logo is usually part of that. A lot of times it's even like the the font size and the colors that are involved, there's a, a visual identity for who you are. And that's the thing that's going to show up when people find you online, when they Google you, when they experience you, when they drive by the clinic, whatnot, any of those things. And so there are some kind of foundational elements that do tend to be either graphic or, or text-based. And so that's things that we'd call like a positioning statement, which is a a concise way. This is where we really start to wordsmith things and think about what's the exact thing that makes you different. Why would people come to see you as a provider versus some other provider? You know, what are the things that make you stand out? And it's, it's a, an exercise that you go through, but then the result is what you call a positioning statement, which explains those kinds of things, the, the things that, that set you apart and it 's usually wrapped up in, a, in in one to two sentences uh, when it's when it 's done well it, it it's it's pretty concise, and so that's the, then you use that as the foundation for all the messaging that you put on your website that you put in your SEO campaigns that you put in your ads and the when it 's done right, all those things tie together and you, you you know there are all the always the classic examples from probably a bygone era really now but but we think about like Nike, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, you know, like some of the iconic consumer brands, nobody has to ask, what, what does branding mean to them? Because we all know we can think and visualize what their logo is, or what their tagline is, or what their positioning statement is. So I'd say that that's what still there's still an element of that that needs to happen. That's the foundation.
2: I think, too, what's interesting about that is what you're talking about, like all those mega brands and the kind of tried and true branding from the 80s and 90s and all of that. But everything that you're talking about seems to be, especially the more in the in the private practice area of the world, but I think because for so long, the 80s the 90s, again, Everything was referral driven. Everything was driven. Well, I've been in practice for 20 years. People just know me, and so I think there's still a lot of just skip right over the brand. It doesn't matter. I'm a physician, and people will refer to me, and that's just not the case anymore.
1: Yeah, and that's a really good point. There are. It's easy to kind of roll your eyes at the when we start bringing up classic brand examples and say just what you thought. the The way that people find me is not through through thinking of some, some logo that comes to mind when when they were looking for me. That's even a good point in terms of like, what are you branding? Are you branding yourself as a provider or are you part of a group that you want to provide? And the answer is not the same for everybody. It really depends on where you see the growth happening and really what the vision is for the growth of the practice. It's very common for a single provider in a group to be one, to be like one that focuses on on this kinds of thing, and is naturally the one asking all the marketing type questions. <laughs> and yeah, yes, true. but it's it's rare for all the providers in a in a practice, from what I've uh, experienced, to all be marketing focused. They all a lot of them would just rather have somebody else doing it for them. So there, there's there's that thought, and like I said, it's for me that that goes back to the, this is where I question. Uh, I'd love to hear what you think about it. What, what both of y'all think in terms of when do you know what you should be branding, whether it's the like a single provider or the name of, of the practice? Is is there something that you guys have come across?
0: Well, that's what I was about to ask you. I was thinking as you were talking about forming like your basic identity. And I think there's a time with some of our clients and physicians in general and considering marketing is that they either have like a halfway point where they've started to grow their practice, add new physicians. And maybe they're very city-focused at their original identity. So it could say like Nashville Orthopedics. But now it's becoming a larger entity in itself with multiple physicians across maybe like this, the Southeast. And you know they have to consider a new rebranding. And then you have physicians that are part of a huge group already that want to start thinking about their future and their content and kind of rebrand in that specialty or niche. So I think a lot of physicians when it comes to branding have you know issues deciding what is the best direction as far as for you know business wise and titles and you know original identity to kind of the content they want to push out in long term as far as patients turning to them for certain niches or specialties i mean we've run across with a physician we had he's an infectious disease doctor and his branding was tough because he talks a lot about infectious disease, but his specialty is sinusitis. So it was how are we going to brand him in a way that, you know, that really speaks to his patients. And it was tough to either pull the trigger and just going with the niche of sinusitis or really kind of bringing in the whole infectious disease. So
2: Yeah. and And I think, Jared, I think... I think it's it's unfortunately very case-by-case case driven from what I see. I think in an ideal world, and I'm sure you'd probably agree, there should be both scenarios in terms of patients want to engage and interact with physicians because that's it's personal, healthcare is emotional. And so I think there's a lot of onus even in practices for physicians to drive a lot of the branding and the content creation and the engagement. And I know it's one more thing to put on their plate, but the ones having success are doing that. But either that's ignored or not encouraged or the the parent brand is doing a lot or very little to help. And that's where it can be really tough to answer what should be being done in terms of branding the physician or branding the practice because a lot of times when we have orthos like an ortho come to us he's like well i just joined a group with 15 partners and they don't want to market at all like well then you should probably go worry about your personal brand
1: right and that's you know that's probably the best rule of thumb i can think of as you talk through that is that if there's a default answer until until otherwise necessary what do people chop for <laughs> what yeah. are we what are we looking for i'm probably not looking for a practice more often than not and and this is this is really generalized so in some specialties you actually are looking for the practice but I, you know, for a lot of individual providers you know that really might be the place to start at least uh, how do you brand yourself versus the practice because for one you have complete control over that there are uh, mo- a lot of practices that i've that I've worked with, I I do see that they, usually they allow that. Usually they don't have any issues with personal branding when they're part of a practice because the other doctors are probably doing the same thing and they hopefully at least have a basic understanding that, yeah, that's important because at the end of the day, that's going to drive people into the practice. So I don't know, it's it's at the very least a good discussion there.
2: Yeah, that is interesting because the SEO side of things mirrors what you just said, is when we do an SEO audit for like a potential client or whatever it is, oftentimes, even if their site's in pitiful shape, their physician's names are by far, I'd say 99% of the time, one of the top three drivers of organic search traffic.
1: Yeah, that's honestly, that's not too surprising. That makes a lot of sense because that has more to do with what we're searching for when we are looking to uh, to find a certain provider.
2: Yeah. Or it's specialist driven, like you said, like dermatologist, not dermatology clinic or dermatology practice. It's it's very knee surgeon, hand surgeon, like all of that kind of stuff or the provider's names uh, or tend to be the biggest drivers. And then, you'll see brand, but that really doesn't come into play until you actually have like a brand to be worth the search volume. Otherwise it's going to say like 20 people are searching a month and it's like, it's probably your mom.
1: <laughs> right, right. Yeah. You always have to knock a little off the top of the search volume reports of like, these are people I know and are related to. And yeah, yeah for sure. Well, and I think that kind of leads to the the you know the question of like, what's the difference between branding? Like, where do you go after that once you've established that? And the, the term I've started using more often is, is brand engagement. And what's the difference between that and branding? In my mind, brand engagement is what gets people to care about your brand. Because, yeah, everyone, if that's part of the checklist of setting up your visual identity and deciding what the domain name of the website's going to be, you know, etc., then that's great. You're one, you're one provider out there or one practice out there. Now, how do you get people to care about that? And I've thought of this when I try to explain the difference. I I think that the easiest way to say it is like brand engagement is building on that foundation that your branding creates. So you you still have to do that. You better have the foundation, but then you better think like, what are you going to build on that? Because most of the encounters that someone is going to have with you as a practice or a provider before they end up setting up an appointment and coming in to see you and establishing a relationship with you. There're likely going to be several encounters, several touch points there, and what's you know how are you going to help them select you I think that's that's the question to think about and brand engagement is is one way to think about it so the examples of brand engagement would be like how you respond to a patient review online you know what how what's your response look like it, It's a series of weekly Instagram lives where a thought leader you know where where you pick one of the providers and you're answering questions live from from folks uh, who, are, who are putting in questions. Uh, it could be how difficult it is to set up your appointment. Uh, it could be this, the, the step-by-step instructions you put out there for a virtual appointment. Your brand engagement are the ongoing encounters that are happening once you have your brand established. So a lot of times we, we don't think about that. We just think, hey, we've got all the things set up. I'm sure this is just an engine and it just works and it's just thinking through what that journey is like for anybody who who does want to find you we we've got to make that easy enough for them and we have to give them reasons to care about us as a provider
0: so what advice do you have for physicians trying to determine their brand engagement like what tips or strategies do you use as a professional to help these practices these physicians identify brand engagement or their message or ongoing encounters
1: yeah you bet so I mean one of the main places that engagement happens is on social media. So even with with a basic organic social media program going meaning if you're posting on a regular basis even if you're not to the point yet of, of establishing yourself with you know Facebook ads, Instagram ads, uh, Google ads, uh, whatever it be, even organically you can look at your basic engagement statistics there which means if you're just putting, if you're, you know, like what what are you posting out there on any of those channels? Take uh, uh, let's take Instagram for example. So there's a there's North Peak Doctor Doctor Lawner Baron Lawner, and he goes by a Scoliosis Fixer. Like that's that's his Instagram handle. Mm-hmm. So it's very clear, like wh- like what you know what he specializes in, and so he can look at like he he posts all sorts of things out there, and yeah, some of them are directly patient related and some of them are more diagnostic related some of them are probably more peer to peer but if you even just like pull up his instagram and look at how do people react like how many people are liking those posts that's a place to start because you're you're letting you, you're you're seeing how much people care about some little simple things that you're sharing with them
0: ah uh, the power of social media oh yeah
1: yeah and it's it's something that we don't want to gloss over i mean we've spent more than a decade just Seeing the promise of social media kind of ebb and flow, if you will. <laughs> there are there are those out there who have like built their entire reputation and careers on it, and then there are those who have just utterly failed at it. And so it doesn't work for everybody, and it doesn't work just by setting it and forgetting it. But there are ways to to look through it. Uh, there's a there's another orthopedic group that I work with right now um, that they. They they ran in the same thing that everyone else did last summer. It's time to bring people back. You know, when we spent all these months telling people it's not safe to come to the clinic, like you're not allowed to come, you have to stay home. Then in the middle of the summer, it was like, well, for them at least, uh, they're they on the East Coast and in their region. Uh, I want to say their governor. It was like early July allowed elective procedures to to start coming to to start happening again. So they're like, but we've just been telling people they've got to stay home. So what do we do? So we realized if, they, if people see other patients and they look like they're feeling safe, let's just start posting pictures of the patients that are coming in. Uh, let's have them just give a quick you know, thumbs up and you stand socially distanced, uh, but still in the same shot as the provider. And you're both you know, just giving, it's not cheesy, but it's, it's just a way to show without even using any words that it sure looks like that patient feels like it's safe. And that was very different than just saying, hey, it's safe. Come on back. We were trying to show patients that it was, it was safe. And that wouldn't have happened if we didn't already have a social media presence established. So in their case, they, they realized you know, they can build their brand by showing that it's safe to come back. So they were trying to solve, very much solve their, their revenue issue at that point, which thankfully they did, and then some. And and, uh, there was some credit given to the visual impact, the visual engagement that happened on social media.
2: Yeah, and I think that that's what people learned the hard way after the COVID shutdown is they had never built or bothered investing in an, an engaged audience online. Because again, going back to even what I was saying earlier is practices never really saw from a foresight standpoint, like the need for it. And I think there was this like, all of a sudden that 90-day lockdown window occurred and there's like, I have no one listening. Like literally like outside of like emailing my existing patients, there's nothing I can even post on social media that people would even see. And I think that that was a scary aha moment. Like we need to start investing in building it. And I think that starts with even all the stuff you're talking about is, you have to really buy into the content creation process and not just like hire an agency that posts a bunch of stock photos, like a build it and they will come strategy. Oh,
0: for sure. Social yeah. med- media is about engaging, connecting and networking. And being and, real, being social. Yeah. and I mean, even as an agency, and I'm sure you feel the same way, Jared, but you have to talk about, which is why we're doing this podcast today, riches in the niches. And even when it comes to physicians you know, we had a choice when it came to our social media. Do we just dominate and try to conquer the marketing world or do we talk about healthcare marketing, which is what we do. And so we're very successful in our healthcare realm and that's what we need to talk about. And I feel like when you're talking about braining today, that's why we talk about these differences. And I think why people go and pay for the experts is the ones that are talking about it. So like you said, the scoliosis fixer, Dr. Pimple Popper, king of cracks even botched. These are all physicians that took their marketing and branding and found a niche within a niche. And I feel like that's where patients go to. That's how you can dominate content on social media. And that's how you can dominate, you know, the field in which you are in, instead of just trying to talk about absolutely everything.
1: Right. And what you both were just describing, that commitment to content creation, that is a, that's a big part of it. This isn't just a one-time thing. People aren't just Looking something up once. I mean, what's what's the thing that's going to get somebody when they are googling? Yeah, der- dermatologist near me. When they Google that and they see the listings and the first, you know, three or four listings are all ads. You know, and, and then you know, below there they don't even know what to look for anymore. Like, what's going to drive them to you know to to what's there? There's a lot in the the creative of the ad itself. You know, imagine if if you've actually heard of one of those you know four, top three uh, dermatologists whose ads appear uh that's going to give you if there's if you're like hey I think yeah I think they were part of that yeah that community uh, food drive that we did you know or, or yeah they're the ones that that had that that cool video that I saw I I recognize their name for some reason that's going to just give you that one thing that that separates you that differentiates you from everyone else who's listed on the page and that's what you're really going for it's a way to help differentiate you over everyone else that shows up
2: yeah 100% and And get patients involved in the storytelling. I think even what you're talking about is is when somebody does that search and what they're going to be presented with, they're going to see ads up top. And then Google's really pushing on the map pack, which is a three pack that may become a two pack on mobile, but you're going to see, you're going to be pushed, reviews are going to be pushed in front of you, and then you're going to see organic search results. And so, like, social proof is a, a major, major driver. Uh, now, in this space, probably, I mean, statistically, more than any other space, including restaurants or anything, in terms of influencing appointment booking habits. The consumerization has proved that patients trust patients and they trust patients' opinions that mirror a similar, whether it's they're going to get plastic surgery done or they're going to get a shoulder surgery done. They want to hear from another patient that's gotten a shoulder surgery and they're going to trust that opinion just as much as the thought leadership a physician can build. But if you can get patients involved in your storytelling, have them telling their story, having them, like you said, involved in the imagery on their social media and leaving reviews, that alone is super powerful from a brand engagement standpoint.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, and and even think about it, if we really just put ourselves in the patient's shoes or the caretaker or the parent there was when i worked for children's hospital there was a certain procedure that that hospital is really known well for it was a chest reconstructive surgery and it was called pectus excavatum and it was there were definitely just a handful of specialists in the country who were really experienced at it and this hospital happened to have like three of the top five and just telling people hey we have some of the top docs that was part of the marketing but what we actually found was that there were, there were parents of a 13-year-old patient who were willing to let that patient, uh, let us uh, live stream the surgery. And we're like, you know, you guys are doing a world of good. You know, we, we talked to them through a lot about it. And they're like, you know, when we were researching where anywhere in the country we should go for this procedure, we wished there was somebody else who had actually like live streamed it so we could watch and we could, we could learn about it and really have a good feel for what happens during the procedure. Cause otherwise it sounds kind of scary. And we were like, well, that, that would be our goal here. So they actually let us do that. um, And it turned out really, really well. I mean, it, it ended up being like the first live streamed procedure from a children's hospital that we knew of. And the engagement that they got from that, you know, I don't remember the exact figures, but it was like upward of 50% new cases that they got over the next six to nine months. I mean, it was, it was something obscene. And it was something like, you know, if you're, if you're thinking about what is, what is the person who's making the healthcare decision want to know, especially when it's something that, uh, that costs that much and takes that much time to research, it's worth giving them an inside look. Like that's one of the benefits of of say, you know, social media, uh, that there, there's some major brand engagement that you can get. I mean, in, in, the, in this case, the hospital became nationally known, even though they already had the specialists there, they became known in a whole new way because they shared what was happening.
2: So now I wanna talk about, we talked a lot about the branding and branding engagement stuff is, because I think this is really important because you and I were talking about it is where kind of digital marketing when people think of digital marketing that's the SEO the paid ads the marketing automation review generation all that kind of stuff where the two of them intersect and should be intersecting and I think that's what we're really going to kind of kind of push on is there's not really there's not good digital marketing in the sense of what I'm talking about without really good brand and brand engagement because of the storytelling aspect and really vice versa if we've got good brand and the brand engagement one of those mediums obviously is through good digital marketing but talk to me a little bit about where those two intersect and why it is so important that they're that they are married
1: yeah they absolutely have to be married you can't have one without the other brand engagement without the the digital marketing it's like oh that's cute yeah. <laughs> but it's not growth oriented it's not going to grow you on its own most of the time like you know there are there are exceptions but The well-oiled machine has both sides uh, working together because it's it's the case of when the digital marketing is working well and you have uh got your seo ducks in a row and yeah you, you you do know what's going on there and and you are running ads in the right way so when that ad pulls up or that organic listing pulls up it's the uh brand engagement is the thing that gets somebody to care and recognize oh yeah them you know that practice. Okay, yeah, I've heard of them. I might not even remember how I, you know, where I heard of them, but yeah, I'm going to click on them. Uh, it's the thing that can fuel the digital marketing. Then, then it goes in reverse. If you just have the brand engagement, and then you need to point people to those cool things about your brand. You need to be able to uh, uh, to rank well. You need to be able to have those ads performing well, or or you're just not even getting to get people finding out about your brand. So yeah, you've got to have both sides running well. And uh, when it works the best, from what I've seen, it's when when both sides are very much acknowledging that you need both. There are so many times when I've seen when one side tries to say, this is all you need. And (laughs) it's very clearly not the case.
0: It's like fighting over a budget. Sometimes you do run into different professionals or agencies that just don't want to play ball together. But yeah, it definitely has to be a client that's bought in as well. I agree. You need both to make a fantastic marketing plan. Without your brand, without your story, without who you are, your mission, it's really hard to tell a story with digital media. It's really hard to attract those patients. It's really hard to find the content and the rhythm on how we're going to take these leads and what we're going to do with it and even developing that marketing plan. And I know Justin can talk a little bit more as he implements a lot of these digital marketing strategies.
2: Yeah. And I mean, that's, Jared, always the first question when we get... Approached because yeah. there is this. There's a big assumption there that like marketing should just work. Like, yeah. well, if we pay for ads, I have 150 thousand dollar
0: marketing budget. So yeah. What do I need?
2: Or a <laughs> or or a thousand dollar a month marketing budget. And it's yeah. like, what? I mean, like, what are we doing with that? And it's and they're always like, well, I want to do marketing, and it's, and it's the brand question. Well, what are we marketing? What story are we telling to make the marketing work? And I think that that people invest a lot into paid advertising, for instance the complete wrong way. And paid advertising, Facebook and Google and all the other platforms that are out there are 100% happy to take your money and make you feel like it's working because you're getting, <laughs> you're getting impressions and you're getting clicks.
0: And you can read reports.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And like uh, like smart campaigns for Google. Oh, they love that. Like, turn it on, we'll optimize it for you. And we're going to give you a lot of impressions, <laughs> but minimal conversions. And because it's all about... You have to tell a good story to make paid average or whatever it is you're doing effective. Otherwise, what are we marketing? Like we're just like, you mentioned the scoliosis guys, like where we, are we gonna put ads out there that say, get your scoliosis surgery today? It's like, there's like 15 steps in between that and getting a scoliosis surgery. And a lot of that is storytelling.
0: Well, building it's, that emotional process. Yeah,
2: exa- exactly. That he is the leader in the field. These are all the patients and their well, the stories. the patients with
0: scoliosis too, sometimes they don't know for a very long time.
2: Yeah. So, and I think people jump straight to the hard ask in advertising and skip all of the brand engagement and storytelling in between. Like, why aren't my ads converting?
0: You don't have a lot of patients self-diagnosing scoliosis. So marketing something like that without telling the story or hooking them in an emotional process. Yeah.
2: But even if it's like hormones, for instance, or menopause, like we've got clients in the bioidentical hormone space and the men's and women's health space and like that's a, that's storytelling in that one is just as powerful, more probably more powerful than anywhere else because you think about the psyche of the individual, like a woman in her mid to late 40s, maybe she's struggling with not being able to sleep, night sweats, um, that it could be even potentially causing issues in her marriage. Like that's a really, really emotional journey and going out and saying, book your menopause appointment. It's not going to cut it, but telling a story, that'll cut it.
0: Yeah, you, you want patients to relate and I'm sure Jared, you can talk a lot more about trying to find the hooks for physicians, healthcare organizations, and doctors when they're trying that brand engagement and trying to find that emotional journey about like how to tell that story without making a hard sell.
1: Oh, i'm I'm just grinning here because I'm thinking of the process that the two of you probably go through in an initial audit or initial client meeting of all right cool so so we're all on board that uh, we're gonna we're gonna make sure people know your reviews we're gonna we're gonna get more reviews for you guys uh, we're going to really drive home the things that make you guys stand out and they're like, yeah yeah, yeah. and you're like okay, so what are they let's see those reviews and they're like uh, I don't know if we have any you know like yeah. we, don't, we don't know what makes us special or different and I'm like I, I, I'm sure you guys just you have to find a way around that um like okay like let's start somewhere but
0: you bring up such a good point cuz that can stop the marketing in its tracks you oh, know yeah. or delay it by months and because they don't know their story
1: like we have a
2: we have an, a newer client so we're very very early on in this journey and that was a conversation that we had just recently around like we're developing a new website for them so we're really looking at how they're how they've been telling their story on their website and everything and that was that was the funny thing is there's like they even looked at we had we had pasted a couple of reviews in there for social proof we we're going to use on the website just like where did you guys get those I love these reviews it's like they're out there they're out there on Google we just copied and pasted them it's amazing that you didn't know that they were out there but they're out there <laughs> and then. Um, the other side, too, is like I was asking, them like, well, what is at the core that you do for why patients would find you? And just all the super, super technical stuff. It's like, but don't you just treat like these high level buckets in terms of what patients would understand? They're like, oh, well, yeah, I guess that is what we do. Like, that's the story that we need to tell.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's the thought when we keep using the word story, a story isn't just one chapter. It's not just one sentence. It's being continually told. And that's how online media. That's how on, everything online works right now. And we we have to we have to realize that the more we put ourselves in the in the position of the person who's trying to make the choice and trying to find the provider, the more we're going to realize like, okay, I didn't wake up today thinking I can't wait to go sift through all of those listings online. You know, like I all I know is that I need I need somebody to treat this. I, I you know I want to look into this thing. And yeah, we, we don't want to spend any more time than we have to. We've got a gazillion things to do on our plate today. So who's gonna make that easy for me? Uh, who's gonna help me make that choice because they they do have a story that stands out. And it, you know, it's, it's just putting ourselves in those shoes. And we don't have to overthink that. Like we don't have to think, well, wait, what, I don't know what's special about us. Most providers are very, very aware of the things that make them like the newest at something, the best at something, the most experienced at it. And you can leverage that uh, in in a lot of different ways. It's just thinking through how that relates to what people are actually going to actually consume when they're trying to find it.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. And we like... To your point, as far as like getting involved and wanting to make it easier on themselves, like we don't do. We used to do a ton of social media management as part of the agency, and we do very little now. And the reason why is, a, I didn't feel like it could provide the value, but it was all centered on the fact that it was more of a like, all right, we paid you build our social media, and it's like, but the the reverse should really happen is like, how can we get engaged together to build it? Because the immediate question is, I put the work and onus on you in terms of content development and working together. Because I'm not in your practice every single day well, as a the partner. The price
0: point is just yeah. so high. Well,
2: but it's also immediately like, you want to do social media, we're telling your story, that means you, you need to be involved in the storytelling. And what that means is you need to help us create content. And it's not a magic pill that we're just gonna... All of a sudden, you're gonna have 10,000 Instagram followers that are just drooling all over your your brand and your and your... Practice, and I think that that's always an interesting realization. Is like the work that is involved in building.
0: Well, I feel like it's a maze. Social media is like a maze, and we can give them exactly how to make it to the end, the fastest, the quickest, the best. But you still have to be the one to run the race. Exactly.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. That's a really good way to put it. I I, I like that a lot. Uh, And and that example of the orthopedic group I, I mentioned earlier, they're a perfect example of that. When they initially engaged with us with our team, they the main provider who who reached out, uh, did not have a Facebook account, Instagram account, Twitter account uh, themselves, but they knew this was important. And so we talked it through and we're like, here's what we'll need to, to make this work. And yeah, the first probably the first month or so, we were just getting on some basic generic messages, but shortly, like along that, that journey, they started uh, having the right conversations with the rest of the team. They were bringing it up. And we started getting the, the shots of, of the patients, like I said, socially distanced, masked up, but uh, giving a thumbs up and, and making it clear without even using any words that it was safe to come in. And that, that type of campaign work, that type of, of engagement would not have happened at all uh, with us, I mean, I live in a different state, I probably live, you know, 2,000 miles away from them. <laughs> there was no way I was going to get that content and stock images weren't gonna do much. Uh, they were not going to tell the story of them. Like now, people are seeing several times a week the faces of the providers and a happy patient. And I'm not just saying that uh, that it's a happy patient. Like people can see it, and so uh, it, it it does. It makes a world of difference to know that there there is a lot to a lot that it takes from the provider to to do that. But that then they don't have to go through all of the. Of figuring out, okay, what's the what are the dimensions for Twitter versus Instagram? How do I put this on my story? You know, like the, that kind of
0: stuff. How often should I post? What hashtag should I use? Yeah. Even the posting process is a bitch. <laughs> I mean, even with our own social media, you know, it just, it takes a long time to actually post.
2: The content creation light bulb, as I would call it, is always a fun one to watch, as you just alluded to, Jared. It's like when you're telling them, like, we need to create content, we need to create content, you need to get your patients involved. And they're like, it's like a hump that you can't get them over. And then once they do, it's like, patients love this. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I know. You should have been doing it a long you time ago.
0: believe who came in my office today because <laughs> they like saw this video. Yeah, they, they saw the video, video
2: and they're telling me about it. It's like,
0: yeah, now you get it.
1: Exactly. It, and it does. That, that's, that is the typical thing. There's some skepticism at first, but just because they've heard the hype and there's a lot of work to do with it and social media you know we bring that up a lot as the as the channel uh, in our examples it's not the only way to engage but it, it is a main way to do it you know that that same children's hospital they brought up earlier that did the live the live stream surgery it was on it was on periscope i mean that tells you how long ago it was it was oh, 2014 yeah. so uh it was or i'm sorry it was 2016. so it was a while ago but my favorite part about the whole story is that it led then to the acknowledgement from the CEO and from executive leadership that yeah, it's okay to do this. In fact, we should be doing a lot of this. And we ended up doing it not on Periscope after that, but but Facebook Lives. So thirty minutes every week, like we did, we did we did them every week for a year, where you had a Q and A with a doctor about a certain condition. Some of them were pretty specific, and we would promote that this doctor is going to be available now, so you don't have to come in to ask your question. You can just ask them this. And we'd get comments that said, hey, I'm so glad you guys had this doctor available. I just scheduled my appointment with them because they answered my question. You know, uh, that was the thing that was keeping me from knowing where to schedule. So it, it was the, the sustained content creation that happened after that, but it was because a door was opened after the initial time. So yeah, I think by acknowledging that there, there's likely some, some hesitancy along the way, you know, if you have the right folks to, to help come in and, and uh, help them overcome that, then the content and the brand engagement can be uh, very successful.
2: Yeah, I, I completely agree. Well, as we're wrapping up, I think that this was because we actually haven't really specifically addressed this topic. So when we were talking about it, I was like, this is fantastic because it's a question we get all the time. So I really appreciate you coming in and, and sharing the other side, what the other major side of what I think digital marketing encompasses with all of your experience. But tell me before we hop off, you have a fantastic podcast as well called Healthcare Wrap. So tell the listeners about that because I want to make sure that we plug that because it's got some fantastic content.
1: Oh, thanks so much. The podcast is called Healthcare Wrap. We just hit three years and 150 episodes. It, it's, it was a labor of love, and now it's it's something uh, really meaningful. And we just say we, we try to share some provocative thinking for healthcare innovators. So we'll bring on folks uh, from everything from, from life sciences to practices to health systems to really uh, the social side of healthcare. And we're all trying to get just all of our ideas kind of in the same place to help uh, push healthcare forward. We're usually talking about digital engagement or digital transformation. So the, the tools that are involved in helping people get connected to the care they need and, and how that's changing. So we have a lot of fun. I have a co-host, Zane Ismail, who's just, uh, he's one of the brightest minds out there. And so we, we just have a lot of fun on it.
2: And how they can find the podcast is actually one thing that I wanted to talk about that I'm really excited. We're one of the new members of is something that you helped co-found called Shift.Health. And tell them a little bit about that, because not only is our podcast on there, but your podcast is on there as well.
1: Yeah, thanks. Uh, Shift.health, we're excited to have you guys on there. This is a, a content network, and we're specifically not calling it a media network because we're not covering breaking news here, but what it is, it's, it's a network of podcasts and video series that we've kind of uh, accumulated over, over the last year and a half or so. Ones that we're, we want to make it easier for listeners to find podcasts that are similar in, the, in their, the way that they believe that healthcare can change and can help people. And so that's not every podcast out there. There are ones that, that tried and then stopped. So we've made it a, a point to find the ones that we really like, and we're inviting them all to be part of shift.health. And so then we we get out there so we can just help people discover those other shows that are like, hey, if you like the patient convert podcast, you might like this one. And so we're, we're building that up. And so anyone can go to shift.health and and see the list of all the podcasts there. Go check them out and listen to them. And most likely, you know, our goal is that people find at least you know one or two new ones every time they go there to to start listening and subscribing because th- there's so much good content out there, and that's what we're trying to help people find.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's amazing. Like how many podcasts get created, and I, I can't remember what the statistic is, but it's something like there's there's just an, an incredibly excessive amount of podcasts that are out there, so it can be very hard to find actually good content. So. I love, and it's such a creative way what you're doing in terms of kind of cross-plugging, cross-promoting so people can find, like if you like this, you'll like that too. So it's a great way to find new podcast resources. So before we sign off, Jared, how can people get in touch with you um, outside of say LinkedIn?
1: Oh, well, and yeah, LinkedIn is probably the easiest way to find me there. I'm on Twitter. I'm all over there. I'm at Jared Piano. It's J-A-R-E-D-P-I-A-N-O, Jared Piano. The website is shift.health. You can find me there. are probably the easiest ways to do it
2: perfect and we'll make sure that we put all of that stuff in the show notes because so people can get connected with you and jared thanks again for taking some time out of your busy schedule to talk to us about the branding side of healthcare marketing and thanks just like you said at the beginning about us thanks for all that you're doing to help physicians and healthcare systems position themselves and tell their stories better with the ultimate goal of improving patient care and and changing people's lives. So I really appreciate that. It's good. It's always good to chat with other people that are in the industry.
1: Oh, this has been a blast. Thanks for having me on.
0: Thank you for listening to today's latest episode of the Patient Convert Podcast. Don't Forget to subscribe and review on your favorite podcast platform. We are on Apple, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, and Spotify, or you can sign up to receive the latest episode via email. Just check it out on my agency website or my personal website. And if you are looking for more amazing healthcare marketing information or just to engage, check us out at entropy.com. And for any of my amazing physician liaisons out there interested in growing their physician referrals or learning the strategies that it takes to build highly engaged physician referral networks. Check out my website KellyNot.com, where I have free webinars, free downloads, and of course, my online physician liaison training course